Welcome to the Ghostly Gallery Podcast, a place where we explore the world of horror and film, literature, and popular culture. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. My name is Bruce Markison, and as always, I'm joined by our producer and co-host Tracy Asteria. Tracy, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Bruce. How are you tonight? Good. A little cold here. Some snow on the ground. It's, uh, you say, 10 degrees below Celsius where you are. I have no idea how that translates into Fahrenheit, but it does sound pretty cold. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that's going to make us a little little more jealous (laughs) of our two guests. They're, They're in Southern California. They're enjoying a little more temperate weather in Los Angeles. Uh, We're going to have some fun on this show, as we always try to. We're going to venture into the world of contemporary filmmaking with two people involved in the 2019 film 1BR. And for those who might not be familiar with that abbreviation, basically stands for One Bedroom Apartment. But the title of the movie is 1BR. We're very glad to have with us uh, two guests. One of them is one of the film's producers and an executive with Malevolent Films, Alok Mishra. And uh, also joining us, uh, one of the film's cast members, Naomi Grossman, who has also appeared in three seasons of American Horror Story, including two seasons as the iconic character of Pepper. Uh, welcome, Naomi, and welcome, Alok. Thank you both for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. This is going to be a great For those who have not seen the film, <laughs> we're going to give you just a quick storyline. Don't want to give away too much for those who haven't seen the movie. I, I've seen it only three times at this point, but others maybe have not seen it at all. It's based on a central character, Sarah, a young woman trying to get her life straightened out. She seeks a fresh start in Los Angeles and is fortunate to find this seemingly ideal apartment building. But the neighbors and the situation are not exactly what they seem. Alok, I wanted to begin by asking you about how this movie, 1BR, came to be made. Who approached you about it? What was it about the script that you really liked? Well, um, uh, our other producers in the project are our writer-director, David Marmer's managers, Adler Cantor and uh, Jared Murray. And so those two guys, uh, it just turned out that uh, my ex-wife went to high school with uh, with Allard. And we had one of those like douchebag lunches that you have in, in Los Angeles where you sit and you talk about what you're working on and, uh, you know, send me some scripts, I said. And he sent me two scripts, which I proceeded to never read for six months, one of which was 1BR. And because I, and, and truth be told, in my own defense, I had a, another project that was about to go like into pre-production, or we were really more concerned mm. about, and so like, and you're a one, you know, one or two man sort of gang uh, as our production company, Malevolent Films is. Uh, my producing partner is Shane Borister. Uh, you don't have a lot of like, you know, assistance and money, and you're just like, well, I'll read it when I get to it, you know. And I just never got to it for six months, and that project, that project fell through. So I was like, ah, I gotta find something, else. you know scrambling like crazy and i read both the scripts and one of which was uh one bureau is one of them the other one was a movie called tragedy girls which is a terrific film directed by uh tyler mcintyre who just did just recently it's a wonderful knife if you uh heard of that film just came out actually interesting but tragedy girls terrific film 
I'm a terrible person sometimes with actors' names, but the girl that plays a teenage negatonic, the teenager in like Deadpool, and um, the young lady who was um, the love interest in the first uh, Spider-Man Homecoming movie, and she was also in Black Klansman as well. Like they're the two like uh, lead girl ladies of that movie, and they're basically two girls that are trying. They kidnap a serial killer, and they're trying to have him uh, train uh, them to kill people. And it's a horror comedy. Uh, Craig Robinson is also in it from The Office, and Josh Hunterson from I guess uh, this uh, crazy Freddy movie, uh, this Five Nights of Freddy, which I don't understand how that's the highest grossing uh, a Blumhouse movie ever. By the way, I don't I don't get it. Like how. How is Sinister or not Get Out, but that movie? But I guess it has a big video game following and the kids love it, so it whatever does. it is, you know? I mean, so I don't know <laughs> what's what, but I just wasn't very satisfied myself. Anyway, I used to test movies for a living. I did market research for film for 18 years, so I have a very, like, I don't know, measured sort of response to certain things, and I'm just like, I can understand how to market something, but I just, certain things, I'm just like, I don't, I don't, I don't my hands up. I just, I don't get it. But um, long story short, uh, that's how we came across a script. And I met with David Marmer and I, we, we got along like two peas in a pod. Like we had kind of the same sensibilities and I was like, man, this is a, a great script. And in fact, it was even better than what we actually be, were able to shoot uh, because we didn't have the money, frankly. Uh, we had to like cut things mm. out of it that we didn't want to cut out of it. And so it was, it was, it was a, it was a very, you know, very low budget film. I mean, you know, we're talking about SAG ultra low budget, as they say, which is about, you know, 300 grand, let's call it. And, uh, you know, we, we, we had no money. We had no time. We shot the thing in like 15 days. And then we realized we oh, needed wow. to, um, to, to go back and do some reshoots. And then that sucked because we couldn't get like, I mean, Naomi working actress, like nominated for an Emmy the year we needed to come. We, we shot in 2017, the, the, um, December of 2017 and mm-hmm. basically, um, August, 2018 was when we could get the band back together, so to speak. And it was right then that Naomi Grossman was ne- nominated for a Emmy. Mm. And she was just like, I can be going. It was, it was the mm. week of the Emmy where we had to shoot that week for some reason. <laughs> and we're like, Naomi, can you come back and do our shitty little movie? And she's like, oh, I'll do it. I'll do your shitty little movie, Mishra. And I've known Naomi for like 20 something years at least, you know, so we oh, were cool. old, old friends. So she came back, of course, did it. But she was like, she could have been going to gifting suites and getting trips to Barbados and all this shit. And she just came back and like did it anyway. So it, it, we shot another and four days. I never have been to Barbados. Oh, yes. no. She, she, <laughs> wist- so. she says wistfully, looking a far off look in her eye. But look, it was, it, it was another four days <laughs> shooting. So a total, some total was 19 days altogether of shooting. And even then, when we shot in 2018, we didn't actually then premiere and in, in until uh, July of 2019 at Fantasia. So this thing, you know, lives with you. And like, you know, it's still living with us. Like it's, you know, 2023, we're still doing interviews for this fucking movie. <laughs> it's, but it's great. I mean, look, we never say no. And I may have allegedly mortgaged and already paid off house to make this, put my portion in for the movie. So, you know, we want to see that money back and, and more so, let's say. I got kids to feed and stuff. So, you know, so that's, 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 I think I've answered your question in a very roundabout long way. Sorry. <laughs> it was too long. Oh, gosh. That was awesome. Um, you you mentioned together a really great ensemble of cast members. I, I'm curious, like, how, how did you get so many great cast 
like Naomi, like well, amazing. Na- Naomi, <laughs> well, I can tell you, I can tell you, Alok's correct in that we've been very good friends for a very long time. Uh, he was one of my first friends when I moved out to LA when when I was Sarah, basically living in a you know a crappy one br a Spanish style with a courtyard and creepy neighbors. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I, that was 25 years ago, and um, which is amazing. Um, and he came to me with this, with the role, uh, or not even. He just came to me with the script because you know he trusts me as a, a friend, and and you know it's only since our friendship that I've like come to be in the world of horror. And so uh, he presented it to me and and said, "What do you think?" And of course, I was I loved it because it's very well written and that's really all that matters quite honestly like if the blueprints don't hold the house is not going to stand so and these prints held so uh i was i was in uh then like i don't know nine months later i get a call from my agent with an audition and i'm like audition you mean i i'm not like i've auditioned for my own best friend but um anyway it it was just a formality he needed to meet david marmer and that that makes total sense and it's true he likes to remind me you know it's not normal for the actress to go to drinks with the producers afterwards like you had the role but you know i didn't necessarily know that and the funny thing is um alok uh has we've played a mean game of uh of uh, uh, Trivial Pursuit, you know, late night drunken Trivial Pursuit for years and years and years. And his uh, sort of tricks is he will read, you know, his question. You may know the answer to the question, but you won't know it when he's done reading it because he'll <laughs> read in such a jacked up way that you have no idea what he's just said. I mean, if you're reading, if, you, if you're reading like William Shatner, like what is this? Whatever. It's like, you know, anyway, so no rule against that, by the way, really, there's no rule against that. Just FYI. Because <laughs> so. There's not, but also this is not late night drunken uh, trivial pursuit. This is me trying to get a job. In your movie. So, like, why are you trying to stop me? You know, you already like, had it. You already had it. It was, it was well, that, <laughs> the fact is, it was a low budget movie. Um, he had mortgage and also already paid off house, allegedly, to uh, do, you know, to do this. So, he was his own reader. You know, we normally you'd have a casting person who might have a, a an assistant or whatnot reading okay. for you, but in this case, it was a low. And, um, anyway, it was just. <laughs> I was very grateful to have gotten the job after this rigorous, um, you know, process he put me through. You don't have a lot of um, money. You got to do what you got to do. Like, so, we, like, <laughs> but she had the part. It was just to let her put her in front of David. In fact, I think we looked at her for another part in addition to that to see maybe she'd be more appropriate. So it was all, well, it was just, is, just a put on. It was a put on. He said, but he, you know, again, he doesn't, he doesn't know how to talk to actors. Like the fact is he said to me, so read the script and like, w- do you see yourself in any roles? And of course, as an actor, I see myself in all the roles. Like I do one woman's shows. Yes, I'm Sarah. I'm um, Taylor Nichols' character. I'm uh, Mrs. Uh, I, the, you know, I'm like, I'm all the parts. Um, and especially given my, um, you know, background as a character actor, mm-hmm. you know, yes, I can play a uh, a, a pinhead in an asylum with a bald head and a 
you know, with a brain capacity of a four-year-old. Like, sure, I can play a little old lady being killed off by a cult. Of course I can play her, you know, the male cult leader. Like, what? Like, well, give me a percentage. Why not? In, in answer to your question, <laughs> Naomi is an old friend. I cast her from my life very early on. <laughs> and then secondly, Taylor Nichols, I had just met at a party and I fucking love uh, Whit Stillman films. I just like Metropolitan is I'm a huge fan of that. I love horror right. movies, don't get me wrong, but that movie just like was very sort of um, formative for me as a, a youth, let's say. I, I remember I went to USC. I wasn't a film mm. major. I was a psycho bio major actually. But I go to the film mm. library so much that if a film major needed the station, they wouldn't kick me off because they're just, oh, it's a low. You can't kick him off. He's here all the time. You know, it's like, so <laughs> So I would watch like Metropolitan. I saw in the film library and I just loved that movie. And it's so funny. Like I've run into three of the main actors in that movie over my life, like in different weird places, like a chip shop in Brooklyn. Like, oh, uh, wow. uh, yeah, I, or, you know, Taylor at a party. And I was like, I got to tell you something, Taylor. Like, girls. I got a, I got a, I got a poster in Metropolitan in my house, in my garage. It's in my garage. But like, like, but he was just like, seriously, you have a poster? I'm like, yeah, I do. Like, you know, so years later, I call him, like two years later, I want to say, after I met him at this party and met an impression, I was like, Taylor Nichols, I have a role for you now. Like, and he's like, what? And I'm like, you're going to be the cult leader. I know people don't, you don't usually play a villain, but I see you in it. And it could be very Mm -hmm. good. And so actually he was, besides Naomi, like the first person to sign off. And then we like accrued Uh other, other uh, crew, but shocker, like um, three three days before it's supposed to shoot, we lost our, all three of our main leads. So the Sarah character, the Brian character and the Miss Stanhope character all gone. Oh, I could have played him. I told him, put me in, coach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but the but Monday, the Monday before that we had many disasters before all this production. This right. was one of them. This is probably the worst one, though. But like this was basically the Monday before the Thursday we're shooting. The uh young lady we had cast in the Sarah role was very uh she was a bigger TV actress, let's say. I can't say who she was because of libel, as they say. I've yeah. been told by lawyers never to talk about it, but I always just say this. She required something in her <laughs> writer, which was this fucking feminist. Sorry, can I curse? I'm sorry if I'm cursing, but um, feminine energy drink, <laughs> you know, oh. whatever. And it only existed at this one like highfalutin market in Los Angeles, this Gels- Gelson's market in Marina Del Rey. Of all the Gelsons, this is the one that had it. And I had to drive across town to get it because, again, we don't have any money or like you don't have the, the, the minions to do these like kind of things, whatever. See, myself, myself and my producing partner drove across town to get this like drink. Casting director assistant. Uh, we didn't even have that, right? So, so right. You, can t- you can tell that this is like, this is, this is not a rich production, but we went, we had actually talked to the, the and this is the reason I won't men- mention the feminine energy drink because they were lovely. Mm-hmm. They sent us a whole palette from the, from the floor to the roof of cases of this stuff but it wasn't going to get there it wasn't going to get there until like like three days into production so we were like oh we got to go get this girl some stuff and like a case i mean at least a case or two of it like just to make sure we have enough and so we went over there Mm -hmm. and while we're in this galson's and while i found one case of it i've asked the manager to go back and look for another case of it. and he's like i don't think we have any i'm like can you can you check and he's like okay so he goes and checks and while we're waiting for him to check that is her agent calls this 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 uh this lady and uh, mm-hmm. they tell her, they tell us she's out. No reason given. She's already signed contracts, but they're like, 
you're gonna sue us mm-hmm. or we're like no i'm not gonna sue you I, like you know over three hundred thousand dollar movie i'm not gonna spend my money to go sue you so not gonna not gonna sue her then in addition to that and this is a, a good uh, filmmaking all is that you never hire the friend quote unquote i'm doing air quotes or boyfriend of said actress because mm-hmm. that's what we did and he was some douchebag on some like you know cw vampire show that i've never like heard of or watched or whatever but i know it exists and and i'm like well mm-hmm. if it's good enough for the cw he's good enough for us you know but hiring these two people like would already put us in the black and i was like you know and, and being a greedy money-grubbing producer like i was like ah, oh, we had to do it and david marmer like he's our writer director god bless him he was just like no you know nicole's the right one and we're like screw you marmer gun to your head we're gonna we're, we're gonna we need to make this movie make money you know and so he was just like fine and we, we flew him up to like wherever she was shooting her shitty mm. buffy the vampire slayer knockoff and like we three times he flew up to, to practice right with her and he was finally comfortable with her and we we're all okay good and then fast forward to like this this fucking scene in the gelson's and marina del rey where she has dropped out and now her boyfriend has dropped out too and now we're oh, like, yeah. we are fucked. Like, I may have allegedly mortgage and already paid off house to make this movie. So, like, we go to the bar next door, the yard house, and we just, like, start having a beer and just, like, okay, let's just settle down. Let's figure this out. It's all going to be okay. And then we get a call that the woman playing Miss Stanhope, her mm-hmm. husband has collapsed, rushed to the hospital. He's dead. And now we're like, she's out, too. Mm. And we're like, wow. what, what the fuck are we going to do? <laughs> So we're like, so we just start like going into panic mode and start like making calls and whatever else. We talk, talk to Nicole and her people. She she could get out by Friday of that week. We moved. We were supposed to start on a Thursday. This is a Monday. Supposed to start mm-hmm. on Thursday. Move everything back to the next Monday. Now we get Nicole. I think the next day, and she's not going to come out until Friday though. She can't come out. And she gets two hours to rehearse with David Marmer. That's it, right? And she just did all of that because she's mm. amazing. She's an amazing, amazing actress. Fast forward to Friday, we're sitting there. We don't have the Sanho character. We don't have the Brian character. And we were just calling. We're sitting now at seven o'clock at night. We're sitting at Barney's Binary drinking again. You can see a pattern here, I'm sure. But the point is, we're sitting there and then we get a call from Gersh. And finally, we get uh, Giles Maddie. He's in. And we're like, mm-hmm. we had given him an offer in the morning. We're like, we're how is this guy why didn't he say yes like earlier or something we're freaking out and it's because he was like driving back down from uh san francisco to santa barbara and he just read his part on his phone and that was it and i was just i was kind of i was kind of insulted they'd read the whole thing but then naomi told me that it uh actors often just read their part because they just want to make sure it's not a snuff film or a porn uh so we we learned that lesson <laughs> and then and then actually uh, i misspoke uh, earlier in the morning i had gotten a bunch of reels from uh older uh lady uh actors actresses mm-hmm. and uh one of them was uh, susan davis and she was like the mom on like war game she's an old pro she's like um mm-hmm. oh gosh i'm gonna mix it up here uh i'm forgetting now um he directed Ronan. Uh, he's a very famous like director. It, 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 she's his his cousin, actually. I'll come up on it in a second. Give me a second. Uh, but the Robert De Niro Ronan movie, if you remember the director for that, uh, he's an old. I mean, he's a huge famous director. I'm um, sorry, I can't remember right now. But the thing of it is that Susan Davis sent her sent us her reel. Or, or we thought it was our manager. And at the end mm-hmm. of the reel, there's a phone number. I call the phone number. She picks up the phone, and I'm like, I, I thought it was gonna be our manager or agent. It's not. It's her. So I'm like, uh, this is highly, highly inappropriate. 
uh, I'm just going to pitch you the movie and I'll pitch us. And she was like, ah, I've never been in like a cult movie before. This sounds great. This is at 9.30 in the morning. By 11.30, we signed her. So basically, we got everybody mm. together on that Friday before the Monday we were going to shoot and just like hope to God they would all show up was the thing. So, oh, wow. It, it all worked out. But like that was one of like three disasters that befell mm. the production that could have just sidelined the whole thing. So it all sat. You thought that was the biggest drama when, again, I could have easily played all the parts. Um, <laughs> this production literally had <laughs> their production truck stolen. Like literally everything, like, like one of those massive production vehicles with all the equipment taken and, and driven by, by some, as it turns out, very handsome felon uh, uh, on very the four hundred five, being chased it, it, it by was a te- it was a televised. High- like, tele- that's a much bigger deal, especially when I could have easily bailed this whole thing out. No, uh, I mean, it was a, it was a televised high speed chase, actually. Which, if you see some of that and the arrest that the uh, arrest, the actual arrest where the LAPD have cornered this guy, Donald slash Chevron Station. And they're pulling him out of the truck very nicely, by the way, because he was very handsome, we thought. And we were like, you know, where did, where did his life go wrong, you know, and the whole thing. And, like, that was really the funniest thing. It was John Frankenheimer, by the way, was the director that Susan Davis is okay. oh, yeah. cousin. And he made her because he was like, look, none of these broads can act. You're coming out from Kansas. You're great. And so she came out. She's a huge character actor. She was on like the Rockford Files. She was on like a ton of like shows and the Mom and War Games, for example. Right. Um, and and the dad right. who plays yeah. um Sarah's dad is also in War Games as well, actually. Oh, interesting. Alan, Alan Blumenfeld is okay. also he's a huge character actor as well. He's been in, like a pavilion things, and uh, so yeah. You know what? It all worked out and it was absolutely a spectacular ensemble. I'm telling you, like everybody did such a great job. I mean, Nicole Bryden Bloom, who's on the Gilded Age right now, by the way, and also Naomi Grossman over here, who just debuted yesterday on uh, the... the um... Not yesterday, today. I'm oh, sorry, today. Sorry, it was at midnight. It was midnight. It felt like it was yesterday. Um, uh, the show Obliterated. Which is by the guys uh, that did Harold and Kumar, and also, of course, Cobra Kai. Uh, that it's an action comedy show. I've actually watched the first two episodes. Number two episode starring Miss Naomi Grossman right there, and she is great. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen anything. Can you say anything? I know it's a little bit of a departure from One BR, but it's uh, it's very funny. Uh, she's um, she's humping a, a secret agent. Uh, they they're in a male strip club. And she basically, her friend says, like, oh, look, you should come over here and give this girl a dance. He's like, I'm not a dancer. You're coming over here and giving her a dance. And she's like, I'm nearly divorced. And he's like, I'm I'm happy for your failed marriage or something. And then she just sets upon him. And she's like, I'm going to ride you, cowboy, and all this good stuff. And it's really fun. So it's good stuff. Okay. I mean, I can't. So I, so I can, I mean, it's, I guess it's already too late because we are already talking about it, uh, it publicly. But um, it's something I should... I can tell people about, and I don't need to be like embarrassed by. I feel like it's hilarious, and he throws you against the he throws you against the wall pretty hard, actually. So yeah, I was actually, I, I was actually I was actually surprised you like didn't have a stunt double for that. I was surprised, but uh, anyway. So I just I just literally <laughs> saw this like this morning. So it was yeah. 
Good mm. stuff. And I haven't seen it yet. So that's why I'm waiting with bated breath to hear because, you know, again, I, it's, it's, you know, it's tricky. Um, I'm, it's a smaller role. So I, I, you know, I don't want to misspeak. I don't want to be like shouting it from the t- roof po- tops. And then as it turns out, I'm written out or something, you know, so. Oh my goodness. Well, well, you know, she's in that. <laughs> Nicole is in the Gilded Age, actually. Nicole Brighton Bloom is in the Gilded Age. Uh, and she's on like every week on that show and stuff. It's crazy. Like she is like a big part. And there's a, I've, I've done a deep dive into like Facebook groups and there's like, I mean, I'm a horror guy, so this is tough for me. It's really tough for me to like, <laughs> like I don't care that you can't get a box mm. in the Metropolitan. Like, you know, this is the, this is the problem they deal with at the turn of the century. I mean, like, I think 19, like 1890 or something. <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm watching it because of her. Sorry. I should. <laughs> Terrible. I really don't. I can't. It's like it's like I want to stab myself in the eye watching this show. Anyway, look, look, look. We should talk about. This. <laughs> yeah. So Naomi, when you show up on set and there's all these different actors, they're sort of going on to Plan B because three actors have left, three other actors have taken their place. Did you know any of these people? Had you worked with any of them before? No, I and I didn't know any of these. This story. I mean. Uh, I, 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 again, I would have offered my services, but, um, uh, no, I, I didn't know any of the actors coming in. Um, I didn't know any of the actors that they lost. I didn't know that they, uh, you know, fixed all their problems at Barney's Beanery over beers. Uh, <laughs> I, had I gotten the memo that everyone was quitting, I might've, no, I wouldn't have quit, but, um, it does seem that I was the only one that didn't see this shit. <laughs> well you know i was gonna say that the, the blue the, the blu-ray has the uh, handsome felon story on it so you actually can see that on the mm. blu-ray if you ever like have interest you can actually we did an interview event we uh, Naomi was saying we didn't tell them anything because we didn't want them to be thinking about this shit we wanted to be thinking about the movie and so mm. we didn't tell them when the truck got stolen we just like sent a message out to everybody we're like look we're gonna start an hour late everything else is fine you'll be fine da, da, da. and we didn't tell them until like yeah. actually we were at Fantasia premiering and they like showed the video of the guy getting arrested. Like, like that was the thing, but that's actually, yeah. that's on the, that's on the Blu-ray. So anyway, sorry. <laughs> that's all right. So for those who haven't seen the movie, Naomi plays a character named Janice who really takes on a larger role deeper into the film. And you're sort of the keeper, I guess, for the character, Sarah, you got to make sure that she stays in line and you're pretty hard on Sarah, as the script calls you to be. I'm always curious when talking to actors in horror roles, do you like roles like this that are a little bit more villainous and, and hardened and sinister? Do you, do you get a kick out of that? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like as a child, I always, those were the roles I wanted. I wanted to play the evil stepmom or the, you know, when we were playing house, <laughs> it wasn't okay to just be in a happy home. I wanted to be like Cruella DeVille, you know? Um, so yeah, I've always, I, I, I given the choice antagonist protagonist, I will always go for the antagonist first. Yeah. I mean, at the end, I've also matured now, you and since Taylor- then, you know, I've also, I'm all about just a a, a a full character, you know, someone who's uh, multifaceted and complex. I mean, because let's face yeah. it, no one's just evil. No one's, you know, even, I mean, the most horrible of villains, there's got to be some redemptive quality about them, you know, like at least Hannibal Lecter is 
wonderfully cultured yeah. and, and, you know, knows <laughs> music and art, you know, like, so, um, right. and even that yeah. he doesn't necessarily think what, what he's doing is wrong. Like, I think in the case of, of, you know, Janice, she's just trying to raise a family. She just wants her daughter to live in a, 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 a place with discipline and rules and, um, there's a way to do things and 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 that's so it's not that she's just evil you know <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of the actors going into this movie very inexperienced you and taylor nichols were two of the more experienced actors by the way he gives me kind of a william fickner vibe i don't know if anybody else notices that maybe maybe you have did other actors come to you and Taylor for advice? Did you feel like you were leaders? Does that happen on set? No, <laughs> they didn't come no? to me. Okay. Maybe they came to Taylor. I, um, yeah. You know, listen, movie making is, uh, it's not theater. Like you're not, in the case of, you know, uh, when I say that, I mean, you know, theater, you're like living with each other and the role and the play mm. and the director. And you have months and months and months on end to kind of really explore together. Um, whereas film and TV, you're like, oh, hi, who? Oh, 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 making out now? Okay. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's fast, furious. And sometimes you're being introduced to the director minutes before he's calling action so um yeah you kind of you just take for granted everybody knows what they're doing and you know and sometimes they don't <laughs> but yeah you gotta i guess uh it is what it is well you know giles maddie was also very uh experienced as well um he had been on uh true blood and ever after and 24 mm -hmm. the one that didn't have keeper keeper settling and uh, you know, and him and him and Taylor, it was very family oriented in a lot in a lot of ways. Because even after the film, we all went to Fantasia together, and like even we still do podcasts. And like I'm trying to get together. I had a beer with like uh, Giles Maddie, who's like he's here from the UK. He's Giles, by the way, is is British, so his American accent, like when he does Brian or whatever, he'd just do the American accent. And all of a sudden, he's just like, "Was that was that good? Was that good?" You know, like we're like, "Yeah, that's great." You know, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I had I had beers with him a couple of weeks ago, and then Taylor got jealous, and he like, I want to have beers. Why do you have to have beers with that hack? They they always they always talk shit with each other through me, rather. And like, you know, yeah. so Giles uh, uh, was in uh, Ford versus Ferrari, and he and and Taylor was like, Hey, listen, uh, tell Giles that uh, much like the cars that were so fast in that movie. I like literally blinked and I missed Giles in the movie because it was so fast. It was crazy. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> like we go back and forth. Like it's a whole thing. He, like he like he likes a certain football team in England and, and Taylor will be like, hey, why did your team shit the bed? <laughs> like, I'm not done. <laughs> so it's a fun back yeah. and forth. We're going to get together for beers, all of this very soon. Yeah. Also, with, Clay yeah. with Clayton Hoff, actually, Clayton Hoff, who plays Lester. Who's amazing? Mm. It was another friend we cast actually. Um, very, you know, interestingly, like the very last minute, him in and stuff. It was just like a he's a friend who was never on Facebook, right? We're casting for the role, mm. and he gets married to this beautiful Brazilian lady. And finally, he posts a picture on Facebook, and I'm like, oh my god, that's fucking Lester. He's got to read for this. I don't even know why I didn't think of him, but he's never on Facebook. Da, da, da. Mm. So he came in and read just because I, I saw his wedding picture on like Facebook and stuff. 
So he got very lucky and got the role. And in fact, he was just like, ah, I don't have, I don't know if I have time. I'm going on my honeymoon. I got like this, like uh, this um, class I paid for, this acting class I paid for. And I'm like, fuck all that shit. You need to fucking read for this. <laughs> so he did. <laughs> and he got the role and we called him. He was in New Orleans for his, uh, his wedding. Sorry, his honeymoon. And he's like dancing on like Frenchman Street or something. And like, we was like, you know, you know Facebook him. And we're like, hey, you got it. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> so it was great. Like, I mean, it was like a kismet, kismet, if you will, you know. This is probably why Alok's been divorced twice and Clayton's been married once. Is well, he's happily married? Yeah. <laughs> you know, look, yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't win them all. Let's see. <laughs> your honeymoon. Ah, <laughs> come on, put yourself. Yeah, that's it works the work honey it works the work it's true <laughs> well i'll tell you clayton is great in the movie because he starts out he's he's very creepy and then he starts to open up a little bit then he gets creepy again and then uh, toward the very end he kind of shows the good side and he's one of the few people that that does that and then you also mentioned giles maddie i thought he was outstanding because he goes from one end of the spectrum to the other. Not only does he seem like two different characters, but he goes from being this boy next door that Sarah is really interested in, attracted to. He's very nice. And then later on, he's probably the most sinister of all the characters. So I thought both of them were great. Really good. Yeah. Well, we were lucky to get him. We were lucky to get him. And, and you know, obviously Naomi as well. Like uh, we just like, it was a perfect yeah. storm of something that came well, together, thankfully. I mean, um, thank you, but you were really y- lucky to get me during those gifting suites because the fact <laughs> that not only could I have been scoring myself a trip to Barbados, but they, you know, they told me this bunch of bull. They said, you know, we squandered you. We realize now we 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 need more Janice in this movie. That's what's missing. That's what you know. I, in movies for a living for 18 years and that's what uh, this is what I, I i know i've come to all this this journey of my career has led me to this this aha moment we need more janice and sure enough i took the bait <laughs> I, and i came back i came back for more and guess what they still squandered me we we, we, need, we we needed more Janice. We needed more cowbell. I don't know. We needed they a lot. They needed of more, but they didn't but, take it. Yeah. I mean, they had it, but yeah, yeah. Janice is basically akin to cowbell. Yeah. I was asking: Is, is there an extended there's, cut there's, where there's there, more of Janice in the movie? Yeah, there 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 is an extended cut of the movie. I don't necessarily know that it contains more Janice in it. But it contains more other things that are very interesting that we, the whole storyline that we cut out of it, that, that could have been quite cool. Yeah. But they um, are, are you know, sadly, our distributor didn't want to do like a very heavy, like, you know, Blu-ray. And to be fair, for independent filmmakers, you don't make a lot off the Blu-ray. It's great. You know, it's great that I love physical media. Like, who doesn't? Mm-hmm. But I think that um, when the sequel comes out, Hopefully they'll let us go back in because we have all the stuff and go in and sort of make a, a better, deeper, richer cut of the first movie. I mean, just just at least deleted scenes or something in that regard. And and we can also do like commentary. Like, I mean, there's so many stories, right? We're telling you some stories right here, which we like hilarious to tell 
like on that, you know? So, um, so yeah. So I guess the answer is yes, there is more footage, but I don't know that necessarily there is more Janice, but you know, we know that Janice did no, not. There's a lot of Janice sitting in her trailer, uh, which we don't see. Uh, there was a lot of that. It's true. It's yeah. true. But but at least Janice had a trailer. Okay. At least Janice had a trailer. <laughs> anyway, the point yeah. is this too. Janice does not have a trip to Barbados. I can't tell. Well, she doesn't have that, but I can tell you Janice isn't dead. And we don't know what's going to happen in the sequel. And we're not going to say a goddamn thing about it. We can't. But just so you know. Mm-hmm. Janice isn't dead, so we can't, you know, say anything, but who knows? I was actually promised uh, a sex scene with this handsome felon, like as part of the, you know, retribution or what, whatever kind of deal that they rest, rest, at. Restitution, restitution. Is That's what I meant. Uh, um, yeah. uh, <laughs> reproduction. I mean, uh, no. <laughs> something like that um yeah no the, i was told that you guys struck some sort of plea deal with look with, i don't know that. what happened with it but I, I i in my mind in my family and maybe he might act as my he, you know he cost us about three thousand dollars i want to say in terms of the uh i don't know what is it called the insurance the um uh i don't forget what it's called but uh, the point is that I have this fantasy in my head where he either plays, he's either my monkey butler for the second movie, or if he is that handsome, he's probably an actor who's out of work, who fell on hard times, then we could like get him to work for free and just say, look, you got to work your you know time off for us for this like you know deductible that I had to pay for the insurance for this bullshit like you know car ride that you destroyed the engine of this truck driving trying to go fast all over next to usc and stuff this <laughs> next to the the felix sign the iconic felix sign if you remember that at all like that's where he was wrecking the truck and this and that anyway so that's what i hope the case is but we don't you know i can hope in vain it's probably not gonna happen so but anyway and naomi can hope in vain too for her, so Loke, is there definitely going to be a sequel a hundred percent this the script is yeah. written there's definitely going to be a sequel casting hundred percent hundred percent hundred percent uh nice. we are casting we are going to uh it's gonna be i always say this if the first one was alien the second one is aliens if that and that's all i can tell you okay like it's a bigger scope it's a bigger world it's a much bigger budget and i can tell you this i mean i hope you would want to having watched it three times i'd hope you want to see it in the theater because it's going to be in the theater is the idea Wow. So oh, wow. that's what we want to do. do. Do you have a proposed release date? Like a, like uh, we got it. We got it. We're, we're waiting on casting right now. And so that's going to determine okay. actually when we shoot, we're trying to look at some stuff in the very beginning of the new year. Um, so look, there's definitely going to be a sequel. Certainly the way that the first movie ended left the door open for that. Uh, so there's no question. Sequel is coming. You don't know exactly when, but hopefully in the near future. My hope is to have it out by January of 2025, but you know it's all dependent upon uh, our actual casting. We're um, casting. I, I can't say much more about it. I, I want to, but I just I think it's better. Like you know, J.J. Abrams does this the best. Like what's in the box? You'll pay to see what's in the box. Like you know. So right, I'd yeah. rather do it that way, and you guys be really surprised. And like you know, when the trailer comes out, like two or three months before the release. 
you'll 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 learn where it's going a little bit and uh well you know we don't really usually give everything away even in the the original trailer if you ever watch that you know it's it's cut in such a way it really doesn't give a lot away and in fact it got uh nominated for a golden trailer yeah. award uh and we lost to the joker i mean we were never going to beat the joker but mm. like at least we got to that point and as far as an independent film it was a great a great great cut trailer um and i used to you know work in that industry in terms of like testing movies and like also testing trailers so i like you know knew we don't want to give a lot away so Mm -hmm. the second one will be very interesting i I will say this too if people are listening to this hopefully they've watched the film already i mean please i hope they because we've been spoiling the shit out of it but if you haven't seen the film it's best to go in without even watching the trailer people like it so much more not even watching the trailer Mm -hmm. Because it's like they don't know what they're doing. Is it a supernatural thing? Is it whatever it is? So they're kind of thrown, um, you know, sort of uh, thrown different directions. And then they, you know, once they get into it, it, it's a tight 90 minutes. Doesn't waste anyone's time. You know, that was very purposeful as well. Because of how, you know, like the length of it now was cut. So, yeah. In talking about the original film, you know, you've described it as a lower budget film. Other people have described it that way. But when I'm watching it, it doesn't come across that way. It looks like a larger budget film. I don't know if it's the the music or the camera work or the slow motion, but it kind of overachieves in terms of its presentation. How do you think you guys were able to achieve that? Well, all, everything you just said, like the cinematographer uh, is amazing, David Bolin. And this guy did our movie. Like He was already kind of on his way, but this guy directs like, black lotus videos now and kendrick lamar videos and stuff and like you know shot like you know i don't know how many number one shows like he's he shoots in india he shoots wherever and it's like he has like i think four number one shows that have been on netflix now including ours like Hmm. he's he's a you know a sought after commodity and ronan londa uh ronan londa who did the music is like this guy works like crazy as well. Like he's on like every Amazon show, and like I mean he he is super talented. And you know the funny thing is that like how it looks, how it sounds, so important to making it seem bigger than it is. In addition to that, sound design. My uh, college roommate, high school friend from high school, Jason George, did all of this. This guy worked the movies he works on are like you know Twenty One Jump Street. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. Like, he, like, got us into a sound studio on the weekend. Like, we snuck in, like, the Sony, right? And Michael Bay had been there the day before, right? And we, we're in the same sound stage, like, same, same, sorry, um, you know, audio, what is it, the sound cutting stage that Michael Bay is working on the day before, right? And we're sneaking in, like, two weekends in a row mm-hmm. to do whatever we got to do, right? So it's, like, a lot of favors, a lot of whatever. But ultimately, those three things you said – like that's what makes it seem like it's a, a more expensive film, even though we didn't have the money, unfortunately. So it was just it was, we yeah. got very lucky having having friends. Living in California is good for something, right? <laughs> Naomi Grossman, I know yeah, her. Yeah. I know, you know. <laughs> oh my goodness! It's kind of like what um, Roger Corman like- did for years back in the sixties. He he was great at low budgets, really low budgets, and he made the film look so much better. Tracy, I know you had a question. Jump right in, please. Yeah, I was just curious if you wouldn't mind sharing with the listeners and ourselves 
how you both got started in the industry. Like, how did you know this is what you wanted to do? Um, I, I was uh, raised in a very cultured home. My parents uh, were, uh, you know, we were constantly going to the opera and the ballet and the symphony and the theater and the, and the, you know, cinema and you name it. And so, um, you know, I was a, a real culture vulture and, um, you know, an avid audience member from a very young age. Um, and, and I, but I resented that. I, I wanted to be up there. <laughs> I didn't want to be sitting in the audience. I wanted to be, uh, in, in the spotlight from a very young age. And so, um, Pretty soon I was. I, you know, I got um, involved with pretty much as much as there was to be involved with in Denver, Colorado at the time. Um, you know, children's theater and um, and and eventually I did a, some, you know, regional commercials and Father Dowling mysteries and <laughs> kind of anything that there was coming through town, which again wasn't much. Um, but you know, uh, uh, it was it was very clear from a very young age that I that. You know, I, I'm a performer. I'm a, you right. know, I'm a performer on the Enneagram. I take, uh, I, I, I see the world as um, in need of entertainment. And so that's what I'm here to, to do. Um, and so, yeah, I, I was just counting down the, the years to when I could, you know, leave the nest and move to Hollywood. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Thank I mean, you. She also went to Northwestern as well. So, I mean, you know, did a, you know, a very <laughs> prestigious program over there as well. So, um, uh, for me, I, I don't know. I, uh, I was always into movies as a child. I mean, like uh, my parents weren't very, um, helpful with that. It took me a long time to see Star Wars and it was only until the kid across the street who was younger than me got to see Star Wars. So I was like, that, that guy's, Two years younger. How many get this Star Wars? And my mom was like, ah, Shri is my dad's name. Shri, just take him, take him to see the movie. You know, so once we saw Star Wars, it was all over. You know, as most kids in the 70s, let's say. Right. So I saw that and then, you know, did drama in high school and stuff like that. But then, you know, as having Indian parents, we had to like, they wanted me to very badly be a doctor. And so I was, you know, a psychobio major undergrad and have a master's in neurobio. But I got to the point where I, you know, scored well enough on the MCAT to like actually get into med school and I was mm -hmm. like I don't want to do this I don't want to do this so I started working for a producer uh like at Fox and I did that for you know about a year and then discovered this market research job testing movies that actually was kind of like it was a bit of science involved with that actually um in an Ooh. interesting way and I just sort of happily or sadly failed upwards to the point that like I, I I was going to screenings like I mean pretty much four days a week uh you know every night I'd go to a screening like you know and I started specializing in horror uh okay. mostly. so I was doing like Wes Craven's movies and Eli Roth or whoever yeah. like the person of the day was I was like uh, let me let me help you you know like so we would help them you know structured and jason blum mm -hmm. was a big person actually at the time mm -hmm. like that that was a very interesting relationship because he was very much about testing you know and it was very interesting to see how he structured his films and blah 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 and i'd known him from like miramax back in the day so it was he he trusted us very much you know it the, testing a movie the studios don't trust the filmmakers the filmmakers don't trust the studios so you're kind of like their 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 priest their rabbi their confidant if you will 
And so it's a very interesting relationship you have with mm. the filmmakers as well as obviously the studio. But like, definitely, mm-hmm. like you know, you present the scores and you're like, look, here's what's going on over here. The, the younger females don't like it. We'll dig into the cards, like they fill out cards and so forth after. And we okay. we do all like you know we test the movie on a Tuesday night. By Wednesday night, we have like a fifty page report ready for them, right? Like this is all because it's all very it's all very needed. It's very very it's very salient. They have to see everything. They have to feel you know it's it's a whole thing. And so when you understand from things from that perspective, I think that it helps you. I mean, help me later in life mm. really understand. Okay, look, we have this movie. It's a small budget movie, right? And like, I know it's tested well. Like, it's good. So we don't have fear of going to journalists and whatever else. I mean, the movie at, at present stands at eighty eight percent certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, which is very important to me, right? I wanted to have okay. that score because I knew in the future it have that score on Peacock. Like, you can see that you're choosing about different. You're flipping through things. It has a poster as well, right? So you have to have a really good poster now. Mm-hmm. You have to have a good trailer too, right? But that's you right. thumbnail and you're like, ah, what is this about? Ah, 88% certified fresh. Ah, perhaps I shall watch this tonight. Or perhaps I shall purchase this or rent this tonight if it's on just, <laughs> you know, transactional. Deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like having that background really helped me like understand these things. And this is like my life from being like loving the movies, being in drama, doing this job. Now I'm a producer, right? So that okay, oh, wow. explains my, I don't know, evolution, if you will. But um, that's really like the perfect job for Alok because he's he has a true passion for cinema, but he's also like the most analytical, like obsessed with statistics type person I know. Um, I mean, he's really into like cracking codes. And um, I'll never forget when he called me at, I mean, it was like five of midnight or something and said, Hey, if I, you know, if I Venmo you five bucks, will you buy the movie? And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? And he, he decided that he was going to invest like a hundred dollars. But (laughs) it was a thing where I would be, but you know, uh, I'm trying to make the math easy for me, you know? So we found like, 20 people uh to to buy the buy the movie and um and if if he could convince those 20 people to all uh you know um watch and and rate or whatever like no, no, it was this movie. it was this it was to buy the movie but okay. i was trying to basically see with like i don't know 30 or 40 people buying the movie at 11 30 mm-hmm. west coast uh would do to our apple ranking uh, in terms of iTunes, we were still on like TVOD with a transactional video on demand where you just buy something because you want to, you know, rent something, whatever. And I was mm-hmm. like, I wonder if we can, we're number three right now. I wonder if we can move to number one by doing this. And I was just like, it'd be good for the future to know that mm-hmm. this few people or whatever, or this many people would move a position, maybe move two positions, let's say. So I was just like, ah, that's a good experiment for 250 bucks. Like, I mean, like, let's just see this, you know? So anyway, that's, that's what she's talking about. Thank you, Naomi. I- but I mean, like, what I'm trying mm. to say is, like, that would never occur to me to to play with the system like that and, mm. and, and, and you know, monkey around with, like... Why not? <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's an interesting way to figure things out, though. That's... But the, you know. yeah, these things, these things make look. These things make a difference for a small film such as ours. Let's say, for example, it's like if you are doing a sequel for it, right? Wouldn't it be great? We never got to number one on like iTunes, unfortunately. We got to like number three or number two or something like this, right? In in the United States, 
we got to number mm-hmm. one in other countries, let's say. And no, I mean, no manipulation whatsoever. Like just like just I was just trying to see if we got yeah. to number one, it mean it mean a lot for people who want to invest, for example, mm-hmm. in a sequel to say, like, well, we got mm-hmm. to number one on like iTunes, you know, whatever. So that was okay. the idea. I want to spend a couple of minutes, Naomi, talking about really the wonderful work you did on American Horror Story. You appeared prominently in two seasons, uh, Asylum and Freak Show, which was actually my favorite season of the program. And you play this very iconic character, Pepper. The grueling process that you must have gone through in terms of makeup, I believe you had to shave your head. Tell us about what that was like, having to do that every day, all that makeup, all that application. I mean, uh, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been Pepper without all that. <laughs> you know, let's face it, that was part of it. Um, so I was happy to do it because I was actually working as an actress. And <laughs> if that was the, you know, if that's what it took, then, um, you know, it's funny. I have a new one woman show now uh, called American Horror Story. And it's all about the compromises mm-hmm. we make. And, you know, like it's about uh, um, the whore is not a, is not a promiscuous whore so much as a woman who does what she's got to do to get what she wants. And yeah, I had to shape my head. And it, you know, it was a small sacrifice, you know, let's face it. Like I'd, I'd done a lot worse for a lot less. <laughs> so, um, it was, uh, yeah, I was happy to do it. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say I didn't, uh, go on some really awkward dates in a, you know, found myself in hot tubs with wearing a <laughs> wig, uh, with man trying to touch my hair and me, ah, not the hair. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there, there. It made for some really awkward uh, moments, but, um, yeah, uh, you know, but at the same time, I mean, I'm, you know, the same, again, the same little girl who wanted to be Cruella DeVille and play like Mm. the, the villain. I've just been, I've always loved extreme characters really i mean i i come from um well since northwestern i i spent time at the groundlings which is of course a um a comedy school and uh theater here in los angeles and and you just gotta imagine like characters like elvira or pat or peewee herman or Mm -hmm. you know um i mean these are all comedic characters but they're also over the top and let's face it you know pepper Pepper is right. She's right up there with them. I mean, granted, uh, I had to obviously like calibrate my performance knowing that this was not SNL. This was, you know, a more grounded, dramatic drama. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, let's face it, you could totally put her in a car with Tunes the Cat. You know what I mean? Like she could have been friends with the Coneheads completely. <laughs> Um, it's just a matter of, you know, again, mm-hmm. how I want to, you know, calibrate that performance. There were times when I got, um, comments from, you know, producers and whatnot in passing, like, oh, you're hilarious in tonight's episode. And of course I'm like, thank you. Like, it's not a comedy. So, <laughs> okay. Um, and actually right. it's hilarious that now there are yeah, some, you, you, um, amazing, uh, bits that wound up on the, um, cutting room fo- floor, which I'm really sorry about. There's my favorite line ever was when, um, as I'm delivering the baby, uh, in asylum, I pop up from between Grace's legs and I say, she's crowning, 
And and then my next line, and that's actually in there, but then my next line was, when I crowned, I mm. shot out like a bullet. Which oh of course gosh. you would. Like if you had a aerodynamic head, like I did, you would. Like <laughs> I was literally yeah. shaped like a bullet. Um, but anyway, it, yeah. it it got a massive laugh from from the crew, uh, which is a great sign um, in a co- case of a comedy. But in this case, you know, it just didn't work. We weren't we weren't shooting a comedy, so it didn't. Um, yeah. We didn't. Uh, it didn't uh, actually make it to air. But um, yeah, it was a very special role, a very special time. Well, I think you did a great job because, you know, you you play somebody who has a disability and you have to walk that fine line. You want to do it dramatically, but you don't want to do it in a mocking or disrespectful fashion. You want to make it believable. I thought it was somewhat comparable to what Ernie Hudson did in a great movie from the 1990s, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. He plays a, a mentally challenged young man who's really kind of in the middle of the plot. And I thought he was great in achieving that balance. And I thought you were as well. Um, I know Alok's got to go in a couple of minutes. So I, I want to ask you each a final question. First, Naomi, other than 1BR, what, what's next for you? Do you have any other horror movies in the offing? Uh, you know, it's funny. It, the actor's role is often done years before the movie actually comes out. So I'd almost have to go to my IMDb page and say, what do I got? You know, what do I have coming up? Because the fact is like, you know, I like this obliterated show that Alok mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. We shot in July of last year. So like, again, my part has been done, uh, but it came out today. Um, Mm. So, I mean, I almost have to think like, "Hmm, what, what, what have I been doing? <laughs> um, I mean, this, this, yeah. my one woman show uh, is what I have like immediately on the docket. Mm-hmm. It's uh, going off Broadway in uh, January. I know you're in New York. I know you're not in Manhattan. Uh, but uh, if you were to find yourself down that way, um, we'd love to have you. It's uh it's a, um, it's my history of hustling, uh, love letter mm-hmm. to AHS fans. We get to see me pre-pepper, post-pepper, become pepper. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I listen, know. as an actress, it doesn't get any more fulfilling than that. Um, I know that it, it doesn't seem that way for, for audiences because you have to be one of the like 99 or 200 or 500 or whoever, however big the house is. Um, uh, and, you know, let's face it film and television glorifies like you know these i don't know this this these 10 lines and sex scene that i had in you know this netflix show that came out today whereas this other thing you know i have all the lines and that you know that's what i want to talk about but and it's all values what what are the what are the dates for that naomi Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, January 23rd through 25th at the AMT Theater in uh, Midtown. Oh, nice. Do you happen to have a um, like a promotional poster that you might be able to share with us so I can post it online? Sure. Um, maybe a look. You, uh, I'll if you'll let me know where to send it. I'll absolutely do so. Sure. I would love that. Thank you. That. Absolutely. And I should just mention, uh, if, if people are interested, the website for that is AmericanHorrorStory.com. Tickets are on sale now. 
Awesome. Very Thank good. You. Alok, how about you? What's other than one BR two? What's next for you? Well, we're just that's a that's a whole huge production in its own right. So we're pretty much working on that uh, full time right now, trying to get this out uh, to you fine folks by uh, you know beginning of next year. Hopefully, there's always a good horror movie that comes out in uh, January, as I know from my market research days. So I would love for us to be that big horror movie. Screw Megan. Screw whatever Blumhouse is doing. <laughs> we're gonna. It's gonna be us. We'd like to do it. I, we'd be so blessed to to be that movie let's say but um yeah and we want to do it uh almost worldwide is the other thing too so we'll be able to hopefully you know not have everyone pirate us in india my my i'm indian so our people pirated the shit out of this movie <laughs> so i would like that to not happen this time mm. uh you know get it to them so they yeah. can pay for it in an honest way and then get it right on to avot where they have to watch commercials so they, they can still not have to pay for it in that regard, but they can at least watch some commercials and make us big money. So we shall see. We shall see. Very good. Our guests have been Alok Mishra and Naomi Grossman talking about 1BR, but also some of their other film projects as well. Thank you both for being with us. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank Thanks you for, for having us. us. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Naomi and Alok. Thanks also, of course, to my co-host, Tracy Asteria. Great job as always, Tracy. We want to thank everybody for joining us in this Museum of the Macabre. And we hope that you'll join us next time right here in the Ghostly Gallery.